you can say all the bad stuff you know about me. Um, all right, so uh, welcome to this week's Attica Shrug, the show about politics and culture in the South this week. And uh, to this week, we're talking about since the Atlanta Braves won the, the World Series for the first time since I was a freshman in college. Very exciting. We want to talk about Atlanta. So we have uh, our special guest, Marie Shelton, on today, who is from Atlanta. So let's go around. Let's do brief introductions so we know who everybody is. I'll go first since I'm already talking. I'm uh, West Cheek. I am from Destin, Florida. I am a researcher here at Ritz-Macon University in Kyoto, but I am leaving in a few months to move to the UK where I will live in Liverpool, where I've never been in my life, and uh, we'll find out how that works. So with me, as always, are uh, David Dykes. Hello, I'm David Dykes. I'm uh, from uh, near Knoxville, Tennessee. I live in Mexico now, down in San Miguel de Allende. And uh, I'm a school teacher, among other things. <laughs> and uh, Chad Watson. Uh, howdy, y'all. I am a former public school teacher. I'm from Tennessee originally, but I've been teaching uh, public high school in Houston for a long time. But I don't do that anymore. I'm studying urban planning at Texas A&M University. My condolences. Yeah, farm, farmer's <laughs> fight. Entering the world of urban planning. All right, and uh, Maurice, you want to introduce yourself? All right, yes. Uh, my name is Maurice Shelton. I am also an educator. Um, I'm based in Kawasaki. I'm originally from College Park, Georgia, um, the Atlanta metro area by way of San Diego, California. Um, I also do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, former professional mixed martial artist, uh, now coaching and uh, lecturing around the Kanto area. Thank you very much for having me. No, thanks. We finally got you on here. Like we've been meaning to for a while, but then um, I I drop off the planet from time to time and uh, couldn't organize. Yeah, I was like, what happened to him? The state <laughs> got him. They kidnapped him. Exactly. They Body got snatchers. Me. They got me. I'm wondering, um, I'm trying to figure out if when you were fighting, if you ever fought anybody that I trained with. I don't know if you did, but I was out of purebred <laughs> Kyoto um, with the Jukucho, Eda Kosuke, and... Uh, who else? A bunch of those guys. I didn't find any purebred people. Um, I train well, like um, I'm trying to think. Like I train with a couple of people that actually trained under um, Ensign. Ensign, anyway. yeah. Uh, but I never fought anybody officially. Yeah, yeah. officially. I think Ensign's <laughs> people do a lot of unofficial fighting. It's funny. We yeah, can do, yeah. I, I mean, uh, it's not within the purview of this show, but I could do a whole episode about Ensign. Um, he's he's a character, man. He's one he's of, like, the sweetest man. guys I've ever met in my life. Nicest guys, but, like, legitimately is not from this planet. Just, like, yeah. he's, like, not not a normal dude. Like, he yeah, got, he um, I remember he got on a Who's Retirement Show, one of the big, like, pride retirement fights, and he got a pretty big paycheck. And he went out immediately and bought like a Hummer and a monkey. And I was like, with the money. Um, yeah. But I got to, you know, I got to train with him a few times and that was just terrifying. He was like, let's work on like neckties. And it's like, oh my God, Ensign in a way. It's like, <laughs> got me by the neck right now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like legitimately one of the strongest human beings I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a big boy. He's a big guy. He's, he's strong. Big, yeah, definitely. Big Hawaiian guy. Um yeah. all right. But anyway, so back to back to Atlanta. So I think I know David doesn't care about Atlanta winning the World Series. This has played no part <laughs> in your your year whatsoever. Uh I think for the rest of us, uh, from what I hear, I know Maurice is skeptical. I did appreciate you telling me what the show was about because that's how I found out that Atlanta had won the World <laughs> Series, which was, it was also how I found out that the World Series had just happened, so. Well, I consider you lucky in that respect, because, like, uh, it's been a it's been a long 26 years, a really long 26 years for the rest of us. Uh, and, like, so, but I think probably, you know, Chad and Maurice, you're, you're kind of like me in that you're excited because I've grown up with the Braves. I love the Braves, but I also realize like all of the contradictions that exist within being a Braves fan, which are, you know, wrapped up in like a lot, a lot of the politics of the South, but a lot of Atlanta too, just like the way uh, Atlanta, what it is, how it's laid out geographically, like all of that. So I thought maybe we could dig into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, um, but first, Maurice, I wanted to ask you as we're getting into that, like usually when we have someone on here, like we've had people from Texas, people from Virginia, and I always ask like, uh, 
well, is that part of the South? And we kind of reason through how Texas might or might not be part of the South, how Virginia is. Mm-hmm. I don't think, even think I could ask the question about Atlanta because Atlanta is so definitely like you can't yeah, like there's no way to say Atlanta is part. Right. Yeah. There's no def- definition of the South, I think, that doesn't include Atlanta like kind of yeah. in the heart of it. So can you talk like a little bit just like about like right. Atlanta? Like what it, what what is it? What's it like? What's the deal? Uh, well, I mean, it's been a while since I actually lived there, but I mean, my heart and my eyes are always turned towards that metropolitan area. But um, some people could say uh, you could make an argument that Atlanta is not part of it is of the South, but it's not in the South right now because of the fact that uh, all of the push and pull that we've seen over the past, I guess you could say technically since um, right from. Um, What's his name? Um, Samarok, uh, the the IOC chairman, saying Atlanta. He he said he's announcing that we got oh, right, the Olympics. Right. Yeah, right. Uh, right around that time, you had so many factors uh, making Atlanta something that it wasn't. Um, because for me um, and my family, uh, my dad was um, active duty Army, so he actually got stationed at Fort McPherson, um, and and just seeing the the landscape change before our very eyes within about four or five years, it was amazing because um, when people say Georgia, for example, um, especially if you're not from the South, you think, you know, the, 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 the stereotypical thing, oh, we're backwards or uh, you got a bunch of overt racism and all that. It was like, no, but like when I came to Atlanta, I remember feeling like, oh, um, just, just as an eight or nine-year-old uh, person that... Um, there's a bunch of people that look like me that are in positions of power. You know, this is Maynard Jackson's Atlanta. You know, I came, you know, right in the midst of him at the peak of his power, you know, of like doing whatever he could to ensure that the, the landed elites of uh, that area that also were black uh, were making money. You know, there, there are people that were actually like, um, you know, exerting uh, real political power. Um, and just a material power uh, within those, not just within the city of Atlanta, but like overall, because I lived in Fulton County. Um, I'm I, I'm a South Fulton County guy. Um, and seeing the backlash to what was real political power being wielded by someone like Maynard Jackson and his camp, um, you, you see it even right now, you know, with the, the, um, the secession of a certain uh, municipalities over the past decade, um, that was the basis of that, uh, came right around the time that I uh, I arrived in Atlanta um, in 1990, um, 1990, 1991. So I was right there with the Braves, like worst the first campaign. Right. You know? Yeah, but it, it it was prefaced like 1989 because I remember like watching the news like when Dale Murphy got shipped out and then um, um, seeing how uh, there was a I felt the change as a kid and I, you know, obviously I was a little precocious cause I was just paying attention listening to what my dad was talking about. Um, that Atlanta, you know, we, we went from the bit the city too busy to hate to like, okay, this is, um, like another black Mecca, if you will. Um, it's, it's like another maybe chocolate city part two. Um, so for me growing up, I saw the rise of hip hop, uh, in the eighties, you know, in the golden era, like some people would say, arguably um, it goes through New York, but it really got cemented as part of like the American, you know, cultural like domination of the world in Atlanta. I, in, in my analysis, um, like most of the stuff that I hear, like, for example, if I go get my car checked up here in like somewhere in Tokyo or Kawasaki, like music is like the music of my childhood. Like the elevator music is like, <laughs> it's like, Usher or like, like so so deaf from like 1996 or something like that. It's like why why are they playing this music, <laughs> like this R and B music from like, you know, from literally like 20 minutes away from my house. Like it was recorded. So um, and I went to school with like people that were involved with um, the rise of the music industry. So I think uh, Atlanta is a lot of things, and it's it's um, it's nothing at the same time because it's also one of the main gripes that I have, and you'll probably hear me talk about this later on once you ask me about the Braves, is the fact that um, Atlanta, um, due to its nature, you know, it, it, it comes from being, you know, terminus, right? It's, it's the, the last train um, station until you start going out 
into the, uh, the corridor of the United States, you got a lot of people coming and going. It's not like New Orleans, but it's um, there's a certain milieu, there's certain like mixture of people and, and cultures that kind of collide and mix and then um, it becomes something else. Um, but how it translates to professional sports from what I saw is that you had a core group of people that were diehard Atlanta, you know, in this case, we're talking about Atlanta Braves fans, but you always had these, I feel like there was a majority on the surface of like fair weather fans because they're coming from Chicago or they're coming from New York or they're coming from Louisiana or they come from Texas. Um, they all just got plopped here because Atlanta was the place to be, you know, their, but their roots lie. Um, maybe um, they're really like strong, like, you know, what, what it's called, like the Washington football team now, or like I, I saw like growing up a lot of Dallas Cowboy fans. I didn't understand why. I'm like, why are y'all cheering for Dallas when you said you're, that your grandmom is from like Old Fourth Ward or like she's from like Bankhead? Like, why why do you like the Dallas Cowboys or like the Redskins? That makes no sense to me. And just growing up, um, seeing people like I would go to um, Atlanta Fulton County and see people cheering, like, they're cheering hard for the Cubs. Like, the Cubs are playing the Braves, and I'm like, y'all are cheering, or the Mets even, you know. It's just like, why are y'all cheering for the other team? Like, aren't y'all from Atlanta? Like, There used to be lots no. of Mets fans at Braves games. Like, yeah, I remember a period of time where you'd go to a Mets game at uh, Fulton County, and there'd be a lot, a lot of, or Braves game, there'd be a lot of Mets fans. Yeah. And Cubs just like had a Mets a, game. Yeah, Cubs had a broad reach because of WGN, the same reason like Atlanta exactly, had yeah. a broad reach. Like people watch the Cubs mm -hmm. on TV and they're kind of a cool baseball team. But yeah, I wanted to ask you about what you were kind of getting at with, with the politics before because I know, like I went to see, um, when Killer Mike spoke at Tulane, I went to see him and mm -hmm. um, he talked about how growing up black in Atlanta was a really different experience from what he hears people talk about growing up black anywhere else in mm -hmm. America. Because he mm -hmm. said, you know, the cops were black, the superintendent of schools is black, like his principal's black, his teachers are black. And so he felt like mm -hmm. he was in the right place for him. Like it wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to other places he could have he could have been. And I've heard that kind of commentary about Atlanta before that, you know, it's sometimes referred to the capital of black America. I've heard other places referred to as that. But I think there's a legitimate case to say that that yeah. Atlanta is. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. I mean, um, for all my gripes with uh, Mr. Pender, um, <laughs> uh, I won't get into it too much. But, you know, um, in terms of like, uh, like I said before, like people in positions of authority, people in yeah. positions of decision making um I, I was doing a shoot yesterday or i was doing like a kind of a preliminary shoot for like a project that i'm going to be participating in later and this guy he's um he's not american but he was saying oh, i just want to know he was he was doing the thing where you know people do when they they encounter uh, black folks and he's like i, I just want to know i don't want to offend you like what should i refer to you as you know you know because i i i had the impression that calling you black is bad and i'm like i get what you're talking about because i've encountered like people that happen to be european american and they're like they're doing everything in their power not to just say that black guy over there you know they're not going to drop the n-bomb it's just like i don't i i i heard that if i call them black then they're going to be mad and i'm like no like because i'm from atlanta you know my experience is a little bit different from killer mike's um, because I, I I had the experience of being like kind of like a halfway military brat, but also right. um, my mother was an educator, so she would she knew how to navigate those unknown, uh, unspoken curricula of like how to best put you know her child in a position where they didn't get swallowed up by the uh, you know uh, the prison pipeline. Um, I um, I never obviously you know you have an indoctrination of white supremacy in the South. You know, it touches everything that that the American empire touches. But I feel like I got inoculated against that because of the fact that I was around so many, quote unquote, positive uh, role models that happened to be black. Like I, I didn't see, obviously I saw, I, you know, I went to schools, uh, went to school in DeKalb County, um, I went to school in Clayton County. When I first came to Atlanta, the Atlanta metro area, I was in um, I was in Clayton, the Clayton County school system, uh, which uh, North Clayton, and then you'll see like parts of Fayette County 
uh, were overwhelmingly uh, at that time, like in the early '90s, uh, you had a overwhelmingly like large representation of like upper middle class black folks um, and and working class black folks too. But like the people that were on like the school board and the people that were making decisions at at, at like kind of a middle management level, they were black. Um, so I never had to like really wonder like, wow, could I actually become a lawyer or could I could I aspire to be a doctor? I already had those people around me. Like if I wanted to be the chief of police, even though that would be like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to, yeah, I wouldn't do that. But if I wanted to, I could say, hey, I could do a ride around with, you know, this officer who who has his stripes um, because they were there. They were always there. The first, I mean, one of the first cops that harassed me and my dad and then later on my, my mother after my, my parents got divorced, they were black cops, you know, like. So I got I got a like state oppression like with a black face. It was it wasn't like foreign to me to like hear about like someone like a Bill Campbell or like a Maynard Jackson like abusing his power, um, because it just that's it just that's just what it was um, in that area at the time. So um, yeah, I feel like me, that's one of the the differences between. So David and I both lived in New Orleans at, at different mm-hmm. periods of time, and I feel like one of the different like New Orleans is definitely a black city, right? But I feel like New Orleans is also a very poor city, and it mm-hmm. it kind of the as it because after integration of the schools, white people you know went running out of the building. <laughs> Clear, <And> so, yeah, <laughs> they were gone. They were gone, and time so. To go <laughs> Right. And at the same time, the oil industry left. And so kind of uh, New Orleans becomes blacker and poorer at the same time. But Atlanta, that's not really the case. Atlanta got uh, blacker and wealthier, like mm-hmm. at, at the same time. And so you have this kind of ascendant like class. So mm-hmm. I don't know, David, does that make sense to you from uh, living in New Orleans? Or is- uh, yeah, I think that's that's the case. And my, my experience of uh, Atlanta is all pretty much vicarious, but about the same time that you moved to Atlanta, a lot of people from my community started moving to Atlanta from Appalachia as we graduated from high school and stuff, people who were looking for employment, looking for some sort of job where they were making more than the absolute minimum wage and just kind of wanted to get out of the area. They moved down to Atlanta, but they didn't actually move to Atlanta. They moved to Cobb County. Mm -hmm. They moved to Cherokee County. I had some friends who sort of accidentally ended up in Forsyth County, not quite realizing what they were getting into until they were there and then Mm -hmm. getting out pretty quick. But um, um, Mm -hmm. it was, and I was kind of curious if you had any sense of how the sort of poor white people were, were pouring into the North of Atlanta at the same time that the city was booming, but not go basically not going inside of the 285 Beltway any more than uh, uh, than just a, a toe like across the line, line. Sometimes, you know, was yeah. that something? That... I think, uh, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, yeah, no, definitely. Like, uh, I'm not sure about the timeline of your friends, but um, I had a. You just reminded me of a story like um, we were at the farmer's market. I think this was in Doraville or like Clarkston. I, I forget the year, but it was me and my mom. My mom taught in DeKalb County schools for about uh, a couple, like almost about 15 years. Like she jumped around, but she was mainly in DeKalb County. It's a little white kid he's selling, uh, he's selling some type of produce. And we got to talking and I'm like, where are you from, man? Because, you know, he's like. He's like, uh, what's his face? Uh, like the kid off of uh, Andy Griffith's show. He's Opie. He's like a like a living and walking Opie. He's, like, he's selling like watermelons and like pumpkins and stuff. And he's like, hey, y'all, like you want to trace? You know, he's giving us a sample of something. He's like, I'm from Noonan. I'm like, what are you doing all the way up here? You know, like you from Noonan. And then I was thinking, I'm like, wait a minute, Noonan. I looked at the map later on. I'm like, wait a minute. And then I looked up like the almanac of like the demographics. I'm like, okay. Noonan, like, I know some black people that are down there, but there's not that many. And then, like, when I went to school, I went to a magnet school. I went to Kittredge Magnet School, which is um, near Druid Hills, uh, which is near Emory University, which I later attended. And I was asking the the people that, you know, because these kids are coming from all over the metro Atlanta area, mainly from the Northeast Corridor. And they're like, yeah, you know, we don't actually live in Atlanta. You know, my parents moved here in like 1981 or whatever, 1982 from what whichever part of the country. 
just kind of, you know, we from Tennessee, we from South Carolina, from North Carolina, but um, we, we take the bus from like Paulding County or like, we're from like Spalding County or like, we're, you know, like my grandmama, she stays like in, you know, Forsyth or like we're in, we're in McDonough, but you know, we're not from that area. We're from this area. So it was always an undercurrent uh, for me. And I, as I got older and I got more sensitive to those things, um, there was definitely, um, even when I went to Atlanta Fulton and then when it changed to turn the field, like, um, there was definitely a sense like 285, if you live inside the corridor, there's only going to be a certain few neighborhoods that you're going to be in if you happen to be white or European American, whatever you want to call yourself, Caucasian. Um, <laughs> and it was just known, it was unspoken. It was an unspoken thing, like you know, the cold talk. You know, okay, these schools right here are the good schools, right? So that's cold yeah. speak for okay. These schools right here have a you know a demographic share that is like maybe under twenty percent for all the the brown and black folks. Um, it's okay for us to go there. So you would see that with like uh, Milton County, um, you know, former Milton County, you know, Milton High, right? So I played. Um, if y'all are familiar with like WSB TV, um, with Atlanta, they would show uh, some of the uh, Atlanta sports. Usually it's NFL, but. Um, um, I, I was on a show called High Q. I was I was an academic decathlon academic. Oh yeah, guy. I did that too with the buzzer. Yeah, that's fun. I was a captain. Yeah. So um, and you know if you do if you do that, it's kind of like with debate team. You get to travel. All, I used to go to like um, places like Irmo, South Carolina. Um, I go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, something like that for a tournament, right? So you get to see like the different schools that are sending their best. You know, the nerds of the like the high school like circuit to these uh these suburbs um of uh smaller like uh metropolitan areas in the south and i i was just studying like you know i would just watch i'm i'm observing i'm like wait a minute you know like you got these indian american kids pakistani american kids and you got other asian american kids and then you have like the white kids here and you got the black kids over here and i and i was obviously in the minority because uh a lot of times, like if you go to a private school like mine, you know, you're getting if you look like me, you're probably um, getting recruited to be on a sports team. Um, and then um, I would see the other Georgia schools, you know, that would be competing against us. And I'm like. All these people that, I, you know, they're from Duluth or they're from, uh, you know, Alpharetta or uh, Lilburn, you know, these these places that are like 50 you know, 40, 50 miles away from the center of Atlanta, you know, and I would ask them, I would have these type of conversation with people like, you know, how, how long have you lived in Georgia? You know, uh, like, why do you live where you live? I don't know. Like my, my parents moved there. They just did. There was no explanation for it, but there was kind of an understanding that we would never live where you live, which is, uh, you know, I live College Park. So if if you if anybody is listening to this that knows Woodward Academy, Woodward Academy used to be the former G Georgia military. Um, for me, I, I looking back on it, and you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I, I definitely understood that the area that I lived in, the neighborhood that I lived in, was definitely a black neighborhood. Um, I understood that more acutely once I went to Woodward Academy, which was it's pretty much Coca Cola Monday. Um, is uh, Robert C. Woodruff and like Carlos. Uh, we have a Car Michael C. Carlos Museum and all that. It's all like Coca-Cola money, just like Emory University. So it was <laughs> just implicit that like, okay, this little pocket of College Park is going to be like for us, like very upper crust, you know, elites, you know, people that are tied up with uh, Delta money as well. Um, yeah, FAA and like you had other government organizations there, Coca-Cola, obviously yeah. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is right next door with like Hapeville, you know, home of uh, Jeff Foxworthy. You might be a redneck, you know. Yeah. Uh, um, so it was, it was yeah, right. just an unspoken thing. It was just, it was so like ingrained in how we moved around the city that it wasn't even something that really warranted like a, a long discussion when i was growing up it's just that's how it was yeah i didn't realize you went to emory that's like a whole different discussion <laughs> yeah, it, it is I have... it was the same thing it was the same shit different day like when i came to campus the first day it was like oh okay like right. just uh more jewish people 
<laughs> one of the uh, one of the last places, one of the last trips I went on for my my school sent me to Woodward to a statistics high school teacher conference at Woodward Academy, like in twenty nineteen, <laughs> and I was like one of the I was like one of the only public school teachers like at the conference. I was they were all like, yeah, like we teach like, uh, yes, I teach at so and so scientific academy, and I have seven kids in my class, like. Like yeah, I teach like thirty kids that have mm-hmm. never taken any AP class before, but that was yeah, yeah, man. It's, it's like a world like we've talked about on this podcast a lot in the past. Cause I I did my uh, grad school at Tulane, but I did undergrad at Alabama, and so like I kind of thought like Alabama, I thought that's what college is like, right? You have a bunch of different people. Some of them had parents who went to college. Some of them had parents who never stepped foot on a college campus, right? You have people from all over all over the southeast right now went to tulane and it's like where who are these people and like where mm-hmm. are they from like what world is this like i don't mm-hmm. understand how any of this works and i've been my i had friends at emory so i've been on emory campus like a few times and to me emory was the same thing it was like going into a spaceship mm-hmm. it's like yeah i don't i don't get this man and i liked it i liked all the people i knew at emory i liked emory but it was a different experience for me than, than my definitely life. yeah Okay. But yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that because, like, there is like in so um, for me growing up, like for for me personally, Atlanta was like like David said, it was a place you could escape to because I'm from uh, you know Gulf Coast, and it's like if I remember this is like pre-internet because I'm old. Uh, if if I wanted to like buy a cool book, if I wanted to get like an Allen Ginsberg book, right? Like, I went mm. to Atlanta to go to Acapella Books in Little Five Points. That's where I, like, went to shop. And I would go browse. And, like, we went to Atlanta, but he just dropped me off on Little Five Points. Like, you know, I can browse the bookstore. I can go to the record store. Like, you couldn't get these things, like, where I live. Because the only bookstore we had is, like, the mall. And, like, they don't, they didn't mm. have, like, a, you know, an Allen Ginsberg. I mean, I'm thinking now, like, Allen Ginsberg is so, like, standard, like, normal thing. Like, it shouldn't be hard to find. But, like, when I was a teenager, you couldn't. And so Atlanta to me was like this, this, uh, you know, it's a metropolis, but it was an escape. Like, oh, there's things happen there. It's cool there. But the mm-hmm. image for a lot of people where I grew up was, well, it's scary. Like, if you go inside of Atlanta, are you ever going to come out? Like, Atlanta's, a, it's, uh, and, you know, New Orleans is kind of the same. And it, you start to realize it's any, it's any city, and any, a city means where people who aren't white live, right? So, like, just to mm-hmm. go into Atlanta was scary. And I think that I don't want to get into the the Braves discussion too soon, so I want to ask Chad some stuff. But like that was that's part of this deal with the Braves Stadium, like clearly, right? Is like that mm-hmm. that's a mm-hmm. neighborhood. It's like it's not really a bad neighborhood. It's a neighborhood mm-hmm. that black people live in. Like, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. But mm-hmm. Chad, I wanted to ask you really quick. Like, it, I think it's probably the same for us. Like, what was Atlanta like for you as as when you were younger? Like in East Tennessee, like what is Atlanta? So, I mean, Atlanta for me, like, was like the, pl- it was like the cool place to get away. It was like the place to aspire to. Like, it was the place we wanted to get away because I had a pretty, like, I don't know, I don't want to brag, but I had like a pretty <laughs> open, a diverse, like, group of, like, friends. I mean, group. <laughs> there was like three of us, but, you know, and it was a, that was a crowd. <laughs> And it was like Atlanta was the place. Like someday we're all gonna live like it. Like someday we'll all live in Atlanta. Like we're all gonna live in Atlanta. And you know we you know watch the Braves on the Superstation. Um, and um, you know, and I think first time in high school, like I think I went to Atlanta for the first time in high school on my own, and my parent and. I think it was my parents because I'm trying to think if I even told my parents, but I think it was like, yeah, sort of like a, we, we told our parents we were going to Atlanta and my parents were like, don't get off the, like whatever you do, go to the place you're going to don't get off the interstate like until you get. And I, and, and even at that point I was still like, really? Like, is it really that like I was uh, actually, we were talking about this one of like the urban planning classes talking about the, the concept of like Compton and like Compton was a place like if a white person just like in the, you know, was it early late eighties, <laughs> early nineties, like Compton was like the super scary place. And if you just got out of your car in Compton, you would automatically die. 
And I was thinking the same thing about Italy. Reginald Denny. Reginald Denny is like all over. <laughs> we get Reginald Denny. And um, I remember we got lost. And of course we got lost. I mean, this was like, you know, this was like 92, 90, you know, there was no Google Maps. You know, we had like an atlas and really bad directions. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. <laughs> And I just said, okay, let's get off the interstate. Like, let's do, let's do it. Like, and here we go. And I remember, got off the interstate, and it was like, and my friend who was black, you know, was like, oh my god, like this is crazy. Like, we're getting off the interstate, but like, it was like we went at just a gas station and asked people, and yes, they were all African American, <laughs> but they were all like super nice. Like, you go here, you go here, you go here, and I still, we still got lost. We got even more lost, and we had to stop at another place. And ask more black people and stuff at another point. And we eventually found where we were going. And I, and and my like, and I was like, yeah, like that's like this is where I I want to live in a place like this. I want to live in a place like this. I don't I don't know where I'm going with all that, but we made it to where we were going, and sort of I disproved all the, you know, the the people that thought like all inner cities were like this like. <laughs> "Quote unquote Compton," you know, they were all like the the Compton that you heard about. Right. Even Compton wasn't Compton. It turns out, even Compton, even Compton, yeah, like, because I remember at the time I was thinking, I bet Compton's not even like I bet this, yeah, like, Compton's not even Compton. But this was, you know, uh, mutual friend um, Amber Wiley always talks about. It. She always wants to do a course on like how the city is represented in movies from that time period. <laughs> remember, like Judgment Night. Like, oh my God, what's a basketball game? Oh, we got off the interstate, and now we're all like having to run guys, right? And it was kind of that image. It, it was, it's weird to think about. Like, but I was, you know, like you, I felt when I went to Atlanta, I'm like, oh man, this is better. This is like, you know, this is uh, better than, than where I've been. But I mean, uh, both Chad and I were involved in like the punk rock scene in the 90s. And so Atlanta for us was like a place where you could go like, oh my God, you, just, you can go see like the bands there, the play uh, like three weekends a month. You, have, you know, you can go to a, a show there. You can see people there. And so that would be, you know, uh, the escape from Northwest Florida is to go. go yeah, and, and so like when I got into, when I went to college, like people were like, Oh my God, like these people are playing in it. Like, um, I don't know. Sebado is playing in Atlanta. Like wish we could go. Like it's so dangerous. It's like dangerous. It's not dangerous in Atlanta. Like, you know, like, have you ever been to Atlanta? Atlanta's not a dangerous place. Right, but that um, is very important, right? The image of that it is dangerous and like the coding yeah. of that what that means for a place to be dangerous uh, is is you know still a big deal. Like I was trying when I was home this March, I was trying to explain. It. My dad was kind of like, "Oh, New York, uh, I can't wait to about New York being dangerous." I'm like, "Do you realize that like New York is like one of the safest big cities in the world? Like New York has like a murder rate that's probably what it was when you were a teenager in the '50s." Like, and he's like, "Wouldn't believe me. He just couldn't because it." you know, is an image that has to exist of any, uh, of any city. Yay. Okay, well, so I want to bring this back into, like, talking about, about all this stuff with the Braves, because there's a lot of issues that we're talking about wrapped up in that. So I'm a gigantic Braves fan. Uh, I love the Braves. I remember crying when Brett Butler got traded to the Cleveland Indians when I was a kid. When Dale Murphy finally left, it was very upsetting. When Glenn Hubbard tore up his knee on the AstroTurf, it was a... Uh, Upsetting. I remember, you know, I, giggle. I remember going to Chief Nakahoma's teepee in the outfield. That was, that was one for us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Chief Nakahoma was like a guy from uh, Michigan. Across the from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, Native Ottawa. Yeah. Yeah. So all, all of the, all of these years, right. And all, and you know, when my, the, she's my wife now, when she first came to visit America, like she flew into Atlanta and we went to a Braves game, right. We got to go see Martin Prado and like that crew. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I kind of unapologetically love the Braves, but, but there's a lot of weird stuff that comes along with being a Braves fan. Like clearly the name, um, all the symbols wrapped yeah. up in that. And then more recently, this move of the stadium to uh, um, Cobb, County, Cobb County, right? It's in Cobb County. In, in mm -hmm. Marietta, right? It's, Which is... It's Atlanta now, though. I think the yeah. is Atlanta. Yeah, they're having a parade today. Did you see the parade route for the parade today? It goes, like, up Peachtree and then disappears. It's not a parade anymore. And goes on the mm -hmm. interstate and goes out to Cobb County and then goes, like, in front of the stadium. So someone was mm -hmm. the gentrified parade uh, route. Um, mm. But, yeah, so, like, well, I don't even know where to start with it. So, one, I think we're probably all clearly in the in the camp that um, the all of the Native American imagery associated is like 
not good to start with, right? Like it's mm-hmm. in fact pretty bad. And so I've been arguing that I I've tried to argue less on the internet, but I'm not successful. Um, I you know I tried to argue that a little bit during the World Series, and the responses you get are just so weird because in like 1992, when the chop was first a big thing, Native American groups across the country objected, right? Like uh, Mm -hmm. the American Indian movement, Russell Means said, please stop, right? Like all of these different groups said, stop, 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 clearly, to the point that like um, Jane Fonda and Ted Turner, who owned the team at the time, stopped doing it, right? Um, And that was a big deal. But people now, when you object to it, act like it's something that's just come up. Like it's just been made mm-hmm. up, and they and they also try to attribute it to um, like concerned white people or concerned white liberals, and it's like no, this has been being objected to. I did a little like, bit of research forever, so that I would know at least three things so, about uh, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, that's just kind of my lead um, please. Uh, <laughs> that I could bring to the conversation. And what I discovered in in the uh, brief bit of prep time that I had was yeah. that apparently Hank Aaron's uh, Hank Aaron ended racism by uh, breaking Babe Ruth's uh, record. And then it came back for some reason, but he ended it. All of Atlanta and all of the South was united (laughs) in their love for Hank Aaron, which I had Mm -hmm. missed at the time. Nobody told me that Mm -hmm. racism was over. I would have have rung the bells. And you you forgot say, that Dusty Baker was on deck, means, but I am right there with you. You forgot I, Dusty I, Baker I, I was on deck, true. and he went on later and to then, the high um, five. The other thing that, that I awesome. and I learned that mostly by reading Braves <laughs> fans who have been writing in the last uh, however long it's been since the World Series, like the last week or so. Um, and um, the other thing that I was reading was that. The Braves actually did a lot of sort of outreach to and work with uh, the Eastern Band Cherokee people um, about about perception problems and one thing and another. And uh, mostly what I heard uh, uh, Cherokee people saying was uh, it was really lucrative yeah. <laughs> uh, to, uh, pun intended, play ball, uh, but that it never it was never. And the, also that they were actual Braves fans but that uh, they were never that into the, the Braves mm-hmm. being the Braves and the chop and all that stuff. Uh. Yeah, not to interrupt you, David, but even, even that, like even within that, the, the, I just blanked, blanked out on his name, the guy who's the, the chief of the Eastern Band of Cherokee now said it's time to move on from the chop. And when that went through this filter of all these Braves fans, they said, well, he didn't really object to it, though, did he? And it's like, man, do you even, like, this is the thinnest fig leaf I've ever seen in my life to say this. And all of this, the important point about that is it's not like the Braves were associated with the Cherokee Nation, and so they called themselves the Braves. Like, it was a racist name 100 years ago, and they're trying to, well, like, they started actually back when the first uh, controversy was going on. <laughs> Uh, according to what I read, that they had been right. in talks and had like a committee and one thing and another. I mean, uh, and their their other argument is that a brave is not a negative stereotype. Although, if you've seen the picture um, <laughs> in all of its iterations, it's uh, it's not exactly flattering either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, someone tried to make that argument to me, and they're like, it's honoring Cherokee culture. It's honoring. And it's like, well, but like, what, what, do, what do you even mean by that? Like, if you've already taken all the land, right? There's no Cherokee land that, that used to be where the stadium is now. Uh, if you've already taken all of that, and if the team is owned, is not owned by Native Americans, um, you know, I don't see any Native Americans in management there. They're like, what? Well, you're honoring it. Like, in what way? Just because you had that name 100 years ago and you kept it? It's weird to me. Yeah. Like, one of the, the one of the things that makes me most nuts, like, in this was Matthew McConaughey's excuse for the Washington football team, uh, was that he, well, but a lot of people are nostalgic for it. And it's like, yeah, 
a lot of people are nostalgic for racist stuff in America. That's how it works. Like if you if you would think the next step back to that, like yeah, you spent years being like marinated in, in racism. So yeah, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm nostalgic for the Braves. It would be weird for me if they were called something else. But that's not that's not enough, right? <laughs> you being nostalgic mm-hmm. for something isn't enough. Anyway, yeah. that's my spiel. Yeah, it was um, always kind of uh, confusing for me as I as I grew up um, getting familiar with like Chief Knock on because I had growing up I had like the foam tomahawk yeah. in my room, yeah. you know, like several of them, and I would ask my dad because my dad he was a Washington football fan, you know, and I I would ask him because you know looking at the logos I'm like these people this imagery kind of looks like us, you know, like even though I, I it's clearly they're depicting an indigenous person. I'm like, well, this dude kind of, like, Chief Nakahoma kind of looked like, <laughs> I would think in my mind, you know, my, like, eight-year-old mind, I'm like, wait, he kind of, he's like Mr. T's cousin or something like that, like, little image, you know, like, um, are they making fun of, like, people that have, like, big noses and lips and they have mohawks or something? I don't understand, but, like, I'll roll with it because I'm not, you know, I don't understand the history behind using um, the imagery of defeated uh, you know, conquered people, you know, and I, and somebody, one of my clients, um, actually my Japanese teacher, she was trying to ask me like, well, why is it such a controversial, uh, issue, um, to use, uh, the imagery, um, you know, for teams like, uh, you know, like the Chicago Blackhawks or, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, you know, um, Washington football team, Atlanta. And it's like, okay, well, it's like me getting in a fight with somebody. Okay. So if I go to like, Purebred Omiya, and now I, I beat up a bunch of people in sparring. I'm like, yo, those are some tough dudes right there, man. That motherfucker was hard as hell to fight, man. But guess what? I whooped his ass. <laughs> so what does that make me? You know, like, I, I have to lionize myself by, you know, t- trumpeting the bravery or the, the nobility of these people that we have erased over the past, you know, several centuries, you know, um, it's not so weird to me because you know a lot of this, the the mythology and a lot of the 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 energy behind American sports is based off of how how can we trumpet you know white male mass you know masculinity like this is yeah. what it means to be a man it's like killing and and conquering and defeating somebody especially those who can't speak for themselves um, in a you know, a wide scale capacity, you know, cause like, like, like what's saying, you know, I remember the first time somebody was like, yo, this shit is messed up right here. Like, you know, why are we doing, you know, why are we doing that? Um, that was like 25 years, I, like right around the time that I first got to Atlanta, you know, like, yeah. um, close to 25 years ago, it's been talked about forever. Um, but then it gets brushed off, you know? So it's, um, like, like I said, it drives me, I, you know, I turn myself off, you know, like I, if you all look at people, look at my tweets, like on this, like I've been directly asking, I've emailed the front office and called them up like, Hey, like, here's a petition. Like, this is straightforward, man. Like we can, and then when Hank Aaron passed, it's like, okay, somebody put up some fan art of like the Atlanta hammers, you know, it's like, that's, I mean, it's, it's right there. Like, of course it's going to be, it's going to take some time for us. Oh, we lost somebody. Uh, it's all right. I think it's still on. It shows him still being on here. I think his camera just went out. Okay. He um, starts to blew him up. And he yeah, yeah. <laughs> too much base, too much like, baseball. <laughs> baseball. Ah. He's like, shit, I'm baseball talk. Ah. Like, we, had, we have all, all of these alternatives. Obviously, even for me, someone who completely disagrees with the, the Chud representation in the fan base yeah. of my team, um, yeah, I I'm gonna. It's gonna take some time for me to adjust to saying that the Atlanta baseball team are not is not the Braves. Like I'm gonna probably say the Atlanta Braves probably forever. But if they change the name, I would be you know it, it would show it would signal that the intractable like the same energy that wouldn't allow Marta to go through yeah. you know um, Midtown Atlanta. Um, the same energy that wouldn't allow like C-Tran to like get linked up to Marta or Cobb County or Gwinnett to actually have decent public transportation. It's the same, it's the same goddamn energy that, you know, led to Truistville, you know, Um, just uh, just, uh, at least a small, yeah, like you said, a fig leaf, just a small one to just say, Hey, like things, 
can possibly change and we can come together because another defining, you know, you were asking me about what Atlanta is. Like when I have to explain Atlanta to like my Japanese uh, students and, and colleagues and friends and family, you know, it's like, okay, well, imagine that um, you were out in the Inaka and the only way that you could really get around is a car. And then also there are certain areas that if you go into them, that you would not be welcome. Like you would be Im immediately accosted um, or near immediately accosted by uh, the authorities. That's what Atlanta is for, for many people that look like me, you know? So like when you all mentioned like Little Five and like going like East Atlanta, I'm like, I used to, I used to run around there too, like when I went to Emory. Um, but it was a different experience for me, obviously, yeah. because I, was, I wasn't in, uh, I, you know, I, I went to a couple of punk shows, uh, but it was, it was a little different for me just because I was chasing women, you know? Um, so um, I wasn't there for the music. I was there for the scene, you know. Um, but I was completely there for the music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but for me, like knowing that many of those areas were not for me, or that they were, that the the uh, the the entry fee were was prohibitively high. Um. It, it conditioned me to understand that there were there were several different sides of Atlanta. So there's like the city of Atlanta, and then you have Metro Atlanta, and then even within the city of Atlanta, you know, for example, I don't know if you all like visited Atlanta like mid '90s and then late '90s, like Buckhead, like when Buckhead yeah. was Buckhead, and then Buckhead, you know, you had Freaknik. And, you know, we're not even really talking about Freaknik. Like that's <laughs> a whole different whole show on Freaknik. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> You gotta have like several shows. Like there's a whole podcast on Freaknik, actually. Um, just knowing um, that there are certain areas that, even for me as a young black person, I'm not supposed to be going to, especially if I don't know anybody in that neighborhood. Like there's definitely, yeah, yeah, like uh, Decatur in general, the Agnes Scott campus. I'm guessing. Somebody, I, I, I remember talking about Decatur, like the, 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 the. I don't know when it happened with like Agnes Scott and Oglethorpe and like Decatur Square and all that, but I was like firmly in the midst. Like I know where like the black people live in Decatur, and then I know where the people that aren't black live, and it's like yeah. it's like two completely different worlds. So people would be like, "Yo, I'm from like Memorial Drive." I'm like, "Yo, what part of Memorial Drive are you from, man? Like you from Pamela Road? Like you from where you from? Like because <laughs> like." If you say, like, I attend Agnes Scott and I live in Decatur, it's like, no, you don't, actually. <laughs> you don't live in Decatur, Decatur. You don't live in the day. You live in you live on campus and you live in, like, you live near a square. It's like, right. a, it's a completely different thing. And it's the same thing that we see when you go, when you went to Turnerfield, when you went to Atlanta Fulton. For me, going with my dad and, like, experiencing, yeah, there are other black people there, obviously. Um, it was a little bit of a different experience going to like Phillips Arena. I went to a Thrashers game, like went to a couple of Thrashers game actually, um, and that was the first time that I felt okay. That was that that spidey sense that some, you know, if you ever talk to like people that understand state violence or arbitrary state violence because of the color of your skin, um, that's the first one of the first times I felt is when I went to a Thrashers game. It was like okay, I'm in a room like or in in a space with 25,000 white folks and then maybe there's maybe maybe like 500 black people here and like 495 of them are like working the the, right. the venue um if shit goes left then you know I know I need to like know where my exits are so I can like peace out really quickly you know cuz this is uh this is it doesn't you know but I had a good time I, it was like one of the best experiences I ever had up until that point it was like 97 98 uh Ilya Kovalchuk you know Danny Heatley you know um, but I always push those feelings aside, that same kind of like spidey sense when I would go to a baseball game, like I had to like kind of create my own bubble, like almost like a bubble, bubble of like cognitive dissonance. Like I, I know what I'm cheering for and the people that are cheering alongside me, once we leave this venue, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna, it's not gonna be looking like, uh, you know, like ebony and ivory over here. Right. Um, so, um, even when I moved to to Japan, it was it was one of those things like I would see, or even when I was in California too, I would see people wearing Atlanta paraphernalia, and my my friend he was just like, yeah, like uh, you should be searching for like other Atlanta like sports fans here in Japan. I'm like, well, maybe a lot not. of the people, yeah, yeah, a lot of the people <laughs> that are like part of the fan base here are like the people that I, I would like literally avoid, like I would right. like, avoid them 
if my life, like, like my life depended on it, if I were in the streets of Atlanta or somewhere around, because yeah. sometimes they're military, uh, they got police background, they are my, many of them are also like class, my class enemy. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, I gotta, <laughs> I, I had to, I, I had to really come to grips with my fandom of like all Atlanta sports, really, because like, you know, the Mike Vick stuff, um, and then the scandals with, like, I don't know if you all remember when Bobby Cox was, like, beating up his wife. Yeah, I remember the press conference when he had this, yeah. like, actually, my wife was okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, she, she's fine, she's all, she's it's like, like, it's a little bit of a miracle, marital, you know, disagreement. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Jerry Bob, uh, yeah. but seeing the reactions of people around me to those type of things, you know, like how they reacted to that, like Bobby Cox was beating her up for a while, you know, and then you had the other situations too. Um, same with Larry coming out and saying ridiculous stuff, how people are quiet on that, but then like how viscerally they reacted to like Mike Vick's uh, situation. It was like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I see. I kind of make yeah, this comparison totally. and I get like shot down for it a lot, but it's like Chipper Jones literally has a bow hunting TV show. And, like, I yeah. think what Vic did was bad. Like, no, there's no way around what Mike Vic did was bad. But it's like, mm-hmm. Chipper Jones has a show where he hunts animals with a bow and arrow on TV. For sports! Yeah, and, you don't even hear him. Yeah, and it's like, people are like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, Chipper's a good guy. Lives off the land. And, you know, I, there's no way around that Mike Vic was doing, like, horrible stuff to animals. But it's like, he also, you know, served his time. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're out of time for today, but this has been great. Well, there's so much more to talk about. We'll have to get you back sometime, uh, yeah. Maurice. I know you got to go back to work. But thanks so much for finally coming on and talking to us. <laughs> thanks, guys. Thanks. Maybe we'll see Thank you in you. Atlanta. I hope yeah. to come back. Nice One of these well. days. So, yeah, like uh, keep hope alive. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> go, go Hammers. Go Hammers. Go Hammers. Yeah. We have to get the hammer chop. Bump, bump, yeah. bump. Hammers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. All right. All right. See you next week.